All right, take two. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Ah! I, I was saying I don't like scary movies. I'm, I'm, you I, don't I, like scary movies? I, I, I close my like eyes. I, I will like, I will like, you know, kind of cover my eyes when a scary, mo- when a scary part's happening. I, I've been known to define go, scary. Well, anything that's going to startle me or disturb me. All right, I, I don't like, I like, I like things. And to... you've flown with Jeb. <laughs> yeah, well, as that, um, I've been, I've been, very, very carefully trying to not know anything about the dismantling of the old uh, Whitman Field. Uh, FAA control tower. I, I didn't want to know when this was happening. As listeners know, I'm, this is sentimental to me. I feel bad that it's being is being torn down, and I just kind of wanted it to quietly disappear. All right, you know, without me having to have my heart torn out. All right, and of course, what happens is uh, like four different listeners send me emails saying, "Jack, look, pictures." And the EA's website itself has a story on the on the on the front page on their homepage, uh, talking about the fact that they're tearing down the tower. It's so sad. Have you, you guys have seen these pictures, right? Bringing down the tower. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the video yep. right now. There's video. Oh, see, I don't yeah, want to know video. this. I don't want to see the video. Uh, yeah, there's video. Seen the video. Well, seen you... the stills. I read the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the video is better um, than the book. Oh, a couple. Man. What? He's you watching the video. the video. No, I don't want you don't to see the video. See I don't want to see yeah. the video because, no. you know, I mean, I wanted a brick and a couple or of... If you, if you, if you of, watch it peek between your fingers, it's not as bad. Yeah, a couple of... I'm sure you can get some bricks. And that's the way I would... Well, a couple of listeners have asked me whether I, I was going to get a brick, and I, I don't think... I haven't heard anything about any possibilities. They actually talked about this in their little story on their website about how so many... So, I mean, I'm not the only one. Lots and lots of members yeah, have yeah. said, we would love to have a brick, and they actually you know come up with an excuse in the story you know saying sorry we can't do that the bricks don't belong to us and they well it would be too expensive to <clears throat> clean them up I, and they're covered i shouldn't in i shouldn't say this and, i what? shouldn't say this but i had a conversation uh, it's been a couple of months ago now with the project manager for the construction company you actually went through with this and called them you said i've got a truck and i'm coming out there well and that's you know what i i said you know how many can i get with that da 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 and basically, he's like, you know, send me your contact information, and I'll try to get you a bucket. Oh, really? Oh. And I and I never followed up on it to be honest oh. with you. Oh, I man. never did. Yeah. Because I, I, I was I, then I was like, all right, you know, what am I going to do with just a measly bucket of bricks? They probably won't. Even, uh, there's no quality control. I, I, I it'd probably be broken. Yeah. So what? Nah, he wouldn't do that to you. Not if he's going to bother to pick them up and put them in a bucket. I mean. Well, you never know. You never know. Anyway, but I, and, I was from not the looks the first. Of the, from the looks of the pictures and the video, there was a lot of bricks stripped away from superstructure or understructure, I should say, because that that brick was largely veneer as opposed to structural. Mm-hmm. And there are big chunks where you can see the brick is missing off the concrete block and the steel substructure that actually held the tower up. So somewhere, somehow. Some bricks must have fallen off a truck. <laughs> well, it's all kind of sad. Whether or not I get a brick, it's all kind of sad, and uh, it's kind of making me reminisce a little bit about uh, some of my early uh, visits to AirVenture. We used to, uh, the, and we weren't alone in this, but because the FAA, the control tower is, a, is such a landmark that everybody used it as a as a gathering place. You know, it's like, let's meet for lunch at the control tower, or let's... Meet after well, the it, air show. It's it's set on that little rise that they built for it when yeah. they moved it from the north end of the airport. They built a hill. Yep. In my and early days of AirVenture, before I got involved with the newspaper, I spent many many hours with my friends from uh, Rec Dot Aviation News Group, and we would all just hang out on the on the. Uh, let's see, it would have been the northwest corner of the tower on the hill there, <laughs> and uh, we'd just hang there and and compare notes and plan our afternoons and get ready to go for lunch, and we'd meet there at the end of the day before we going out for dinner, and uh, um, you know it was. It was oh, and all the, all those years when you could uh, be out on the flight line or out somewhere near the flight line during the air show and look back at that hill at the base of the tower. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, you know, it was just a mob of humanity. People, it was like going to a car race or a fireworks show, you know, people show up early, they'd spread their blankets out. They'd, you know, park their chairs there. Uh, and that was one of the best places to watch the show for years. Yeah. 
until some crazy airplane thing changed the security equation and suddenly it was you know not kosher to have humans threatening the safety of the tower right, right. by sitting on the hill during the air show. Right, so they fenced off the side of the hill that was facing the runway, so you, you couldn't sit on that side. And then you had to be somebody special, or if you were one of the uh, FAA folks in a pink shirt or something like that, you could sit over there, and, you'd, we'd, uh, and we'd all kind of, we'd queue up to the fence uh, there and kind of get the best possible view, but... Uh, and look at the people standing on the front steps and go, oh, they got a great... Now, talking about great views, though, Dave, and I would imagine, Dave, you got up into the tower cab a number of different times. Yes? Yes, oh, yeah, several times. Uh, generally, I think I only got up there during part of the air show performance twice in all the years that uh, since my first Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the other times were... Uh, uh, Middle of the day, the arrivals were still hot, and the, uh, the the trip up there was to photograph controllers actively handling traffic uh, while trying to get you know actual images of traffic on the runway at the same time. And so you'd spend a half hour up there trying to stay out of the way, bobbing back and forth, uh, pumping in a lot of fill flash to make the outside look normal and praying for the best in terms of the airplanes showing up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you, Jeb? Did you but, ever get you know, up there? The view was great there. I never got up there. I turned down a couple of uh, opportunities a few years ago. Back, you know, yeah, I know. To, I, I got to For one it. reason or another because, um, you know, I wasn't the right person or, or uh, I had a conflict or, or something like that. So Yeah, I blew a chance to go up there one time, too. I got assigned one year when I was working for the newspaper and, Late in the week, I, I get assigned. I you know when they went when they were scraping for any, just about anybody to write news stories, they I would occasionally <laughs> assign me instead of doing my call. Or in addition to doing my column, they would uh, say, "Hey Jack, here's a news story. Why don't you do a story about the tower? Do a story about this, you know?" And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to put it together. I wasn't able to schedule a visit or whatever it was. And so I th- you must have had just a, a sage managing editor at the yeah, time. It might have been you, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and. Uh, and I wasn't able to put it together, and I kind of wasn't, didn't think it was a big, a big uh, priority because I figured, okay, well, you know, next year we'll do it, you know, and uh, and there were only a couple more next years, and now it's gone. I'm really kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, it's really, uh, you know, I don't know. See, I'm, a, I'm a just. Oh yeah, by the time we get there in July, you know, uh, all the remnants will be gone. The hill will have been leveled. Uh, something else may be sitting on that spot. Uh, I don't remember, but. Uh, you know, that's the last gasp of a landmark that, like you said, Jack, that was the point of reference for the whole field. You know, that was the constant over that over that event for, Jiminy, almost 40 years. Mm, yeah. 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 The yeah. yellow brick tower. Yeah. And the, uh, and the, uh, the brown archway that's not brown anymore, you know, the, uh, the uh, wooden archway that goes out to the flight line. Um, right. Um, the mm-hmm. archway is still there, but it's not the same color anymore. Anyways, see, we're sounding like old guys here talking about the old days. I remember the old days when we went to used to go to Oshkosh when it was called Oshkosh. Anyway, let me, let me age, find, age is a state of mind. Let me and find my teeth. Mind, mind. I, won't mind. Yeah, I, know. I was looking at Dave's video again today. He really does look a lot younger in this video. Does I, 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 I ripped off the video. I ripped it. Uh, the, the rip is the uh, technical term for copying off of the DVD. And uh, I'm putting it together a little little 30 second clip that shows Dave in this little video. We'll put it in the. How oh, how long have you had this problem of looking at old Dave Higdon videos? And what does an your therapist video. say? It's an old video of a young Dave Higdon. It's like a what line. is what does your therapist say about all this? <laughs> my, my therapist says there's no hope. Give it up. There is a medication that'll cure that. Yeah, what's that? Lining Google. Fifteen year old single malt. Uh, about eight fingers worth. There you, go. there you go. I'm just thinking more along the lines of a baseball bat. But um, well, yeah, but that will leave a mark. That's okay. It would. It would. It, that way, you know, something to remember the the event by would hopefully dissuade him from engaging in it again. But you know, I think you're halfway me. through. You know, four fingers into the eight fingers of fifteen year old single malt. How much? Hey, look. Four fingers into eight fingers worth of single malt. He'll look at that screen with me on there, looking uncharacteristically wrong for my current age. Have a terrible fright, a crisis moment, uh, 
and will you know vow to never make that mistake again and then finish the scotch and now friends here's today's word the members of the uncontrolled airspace podcast are participating as private individuals their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But I bet you knew that. Welcome, folks, to episode 130 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. Recording this episode on uh, Monday evening, April 13th, 2009. And uh, let me say hi to my friends here in the virtual hangar. Dave Higdon's out there. Dave's joining us from uh, Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. How are you? Oh, uh, lovely evening here in the air capital of the world. And uh, only eight shopping days left to the start of Sun and Fun. So Mm -hmm. we're starting to get that. You know, that little surge of adrenaline and excitement that says, holy bleep, I got a lot of stuff to do before yeah. I leave. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. So the last time I talked to you, it was like 80 degrees in Wichita. What's it like there now? Well, uh, the ground's finally starting to dry out from about three inches of precip that we got starting Saturday morning mm-hmm. that just went unendingly through yesterday evening, Sunday evening. Uh, but it's starting to green things up a little bit. Uh, it's going to be damp, chilly, cold tonight, and uh, it, it wasn't all that warm today. It was not a pretty day. You wouldn't have enjoyed a good view today uh, if you would have been out trying to scud run under the clouds. Uh, you know, you would have had a very restricted tunnel vision. Anything else, and you would have been on top of the layers. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it's much prettier now, and for the next 36 hours, it's probably going to be this way before the rain comes back for another five days. And also here in the hangar is Jeb Burnside, who's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Jeb's, Jeb, I should warn everybody, Jeb's in a really cranky mood tonight. So. I'm just in an evil mood tonight for a lot of Look different out. reasons. Come on, Otherwise, I'm just, you know... Uh, uh, spiffy. You know, I was uh, listening spiffy. to last there week's was episode. Again. I knew it was coming. I was yeah. listening to last week's episode, and you, and in, there was a sort of throwaway comment that I didn't catch at the time. You said that Lee was coming down to work on your airplane. Is there something wrong with your airplane? No, no. Coming up on annual time, uh, but he he, uh, and we're trying to get a head start on a couple of things. But um, uh, the the big thing he's coming down for. He I haven't talked to him since Saturday. He. He is uh, probably in route as I speak uh, here on uh, Monday evening. Um, but the big deal is, and, and I'll, um, well, it, it's kind of a big deal here, you know, as far as the little neighborhood is concerned. Um, a woman and, and um, a gentleman living across the street um, have a uh, experimental category clipped wing Taylor craft. Yeah. Is this, did you mention this last time? Go ahead. I, I, yeah. I may yeah. have. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you did. But uh, um, it needs a few things, and there's kind of a, of a deadline coming up. Uh, so Lee's coming down. He's going to spend, I'm sure, a good solid week of 10, 12-hour days, probably closer to two weeks working on this uh, this project because uh-huh. it needs brakes. It needs a new seat. It needs um, um, some things under the engine cowling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the punchline in all this is it needs to be done by the end of the month, because the couple living across the street plan to get married in it. In it? In it. Uh, airborne. Wow, they, that's going to be get, a small minister. Yeah, no, wait a minute. How big is this? Is, is, what kind of airplane it's is this? Two seater. Two it's a two-seater. two-seater. Okay, so they're going to do the, the um, vows ra- yeah. via radio. By radio. Is that and they're going to do... And they're going to do all of this. Well, you know, it's uh, it's Florida. So, you know, gays can't get married, but by God, anybody else can by radio. Um, so... <laughs> Um, uh, they're going to they're do all this via radio um, over yeah. Sebring just prior to uh, some uh, uh, international, I'm sorry, yeah, it's an international aerobatics competition going on at Sebring, Florida, starting in early May. So they've got all this kind of planned out. The, the woman, the name, her name is Lynn, um, is making her wedding dress out of a surplus World War II German 
silk parachute. Ooh. It's going to be quite the thing. Uh, I I was talking to her a little bit last night. Actually, she helped me uh, uh, push the airplane back in the hangar because I've got a little uh, problem getting it back in the hangar by myself here. Um, But um, uh, it's going to be quite the deal. I'll uh, I'll have some more details and uh, uh, hopefully I'll be be able to... um, uh, I'll, hopefully, I'll be able to be there for the event itself, for the ceremony. This is this is part of Jeb's uh, host a mechanic at home program, which he does at least once a year. Exactly right. Yes, right. Uh, right. Uh, we we support uh, your local mechanic. That's right. And hell, he um, supports import mechanics. He's- that's right. I I import mechanics and support them. Um, and in this case, um, I, I probably have ginned up as much business for Lee over the last couple of years, over the last year or so down here, uh, than he's done on his own. Um, but he, and he's, he's certainly worth it. But I mean, he, 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 uh, re-rigged, um, um, a, um, Citabria down at Venice, uh, last summer, um, He's gonna he's gonna do this uh, this clip wing T craft to the nines I'm sure uh, somewhere in all that he's gonna you know whip out the pin and, and do a do an annual on my airplane so mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah that's that's it'll be an interesting week so uh, to our listeners in the uh, in the uh, you know the greater Sarasota <coughs> area uh, Lee's gonna be in town if you need any work on your airplane <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. There you go. There you go. And, I'm, and I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from the home office in Dover, New Hampshire, uh, where the weather's been beautiful. I mean, you know, it's been perfectly clear skies and sunny and bright and beautiful and incredibly cold, I mean, unseasonably cold. Uh, the wind's been howling up here. It was like 20 gusting 29 when I looked one time today. Well, the- you guys have more than one season up there? Yeah. Uh, and we're getting like yeah, the, the 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 issue is we're getting to have more than four. It appears because this this whole odd spring spring winter thing is like pretty weird because it's cold. How, how close are you to Mount Washington? Oh, I'm about. Uh, I mean, I drive there. It'd be like two and a half hours probably to drive okay. there. And, uh, okay. So a little over a hundred miles. Yeah, I'm actually planning a flight. I'm going to go up to a place called uh, Eastern Slopes. Oh, now I'm blanking on the exact name. I keep hearing about this airport. It's up uh, sort of just, uh, uh, it's in Maine, uh, abeam the North Conway area of New Hampshire, which is just to the south of Mount Washington. And uh, I keep hearing about this airport, and I want to go check it out. So uh, I was planning, but, and it's going to be, it's about flying from Sanford. Um, it'll be about uh, uh, 25 minutes, I, I estimate. And uh, so that gets me almost to Mount Washington is my point. Um, so very cool yeah so but it's really yeah. cold up here uh the forecast is for it to get down into the 20s every night for the next three or four nights and no kidding which it's is actually april man the the silver lining of that is that it kills all the uh the uh mosquito Bugs. larva and uh-huh. uh um will hopefully uh knock down the mosquito population this summer a little bit we'll see yeah. that's that's what we're hoping for anyways so uh so that's what's going on up here What's going on now? You know, I was thinking about you just the other day, uh, Jeb. Uh, I'm looking around <laughs> for stories, and there's a story floating around on the internet now about this guy who lives at a uh, air park, who kind of lost <laughs> his mind and tried to yeah. was dive bombing his, his his neighbors. You saw this story, right? This, uh, well, I I saw this, the story relative to uh, County Opposes Airport residents. Um, I don't know about dive bombing his neighbor, no, but no, no, stri- no, no. strikes. I, I think there's there's another. Are we talking story. about something else? All right, now you're going this to was in the news today. Yeah, and it was, okay. a, it was, a, it was an air park someplace down in, in Florida. It wasn't yours, because I looked carefully to see if it was yours. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I always blank on the name of Amy's, so I don't know if it was Amy's. But uh, apparently they were doing maintenance on the runway, and they had temporarily closed the runway. They had put some yellow X's on it, and they had parked a couple of cars on it. And they were uh, repairing cracks or whatever it is they were doing. There was the, re- the residents were out there repairing the runway, which seems like a perfectly reasonable and smart and good thing to do. Sure. Um, sure. But one particular uh, a resident who apparently has a reputation for being a real curmudgeon and a pain in the neck, if you read this, read between the lines on this story, um, was not at all happy with the fact that they were closing the runway and. Uh, and initially he was on the ground, and even though the runway was blocked and closed, uh, he managed to take off uh, from apparently there's a grass strip along the edge. So he took off, and then he went flew around for a while. Then he came back and was, like, doing low passes and re- apparently being genuinely threatening and dangerous. And uh, it's more than a joke. And uh, 
Um, and he's since been arrested. They actually called the cops on him. And uh, yeah, this isn't is even an FAR. The, the this isn't even of... the FAA violation. This is like local law enforcement. You know, arrested the guy and booked him for uh, assault with a deadly reckless weapon, enda- reckless endangerment, or something like that. Yeah, uh, is this the... on their story list? No, it's not on the story list. No, it's That's not. <laughs> well, no, you're uh, not hallucinating I'm sort of right now. A, I'm sort of at a disadvantage here, which is kind of common for my day. Um, that's unfortunate. It is um, unfortunate. I, and, uh, send, me, send me a link uh, to that because I'd be interested in which runway that is. The guy who's alleged to have done this, he's in his 70s. Uh, I believe the story said he was a retired controller. Uh, apparently, he and some of the others that live on the airpark allegedly have some personality conflicts. And well, he that, took that, that happens. Guys closing here, down you know. the runway to repair the runway. And it's kind of like, uh, dude, uh, either get out there and help him cold patch. Or, you know, right. shut up and and stay out of their way. I mean, they're there to benefit you too. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, um, you know, talking about Florida and airports and and you know things that make the news here. I don't know if anyone else saw this. Um, there's a story out of uh, Fort Myers um, over the weekend, actually Sunday, I guess. Um, that um, uh, apparently a charter uh, King Air took off out of, uh, I don't want to say Naples, but I don't think that's right, uh, from Mar- Marco Island, I'm sorry, um, and um, took off out of uh, Marco Island, and the pilot in the left seat keeled over dead. Yeah. The yeah, guy in the right that. seat, passenger in the right seat, happened to be a pilot. Oh, I hadn't heard that part. So he was already in the right seat. He, he was already he was in the right seat. He was already in the right seat. He's already, seat. He's already, already a rated pilot. Yeah. Yeah, he's already a rated, rated pilot. Never flown a King Air before. Um, but King Air is just a big uh, big bonanza. Literally. I mean, it's, it has the same uh, airfoil in the wing, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the same parts. But uh, anyway, um, uh, ATC talked him down. They uh, got on the phone to one of the controllers. Uh, this is a Fort Myers Tower, apparently. One of the. Uh, yeah, controllers a- had a buddy um, who was a King Air pilot and called the buddy up in Connecticut, as I recall. Yeah, and that's the part the of the story, story that got and- me was he had to call the yeah. Connecticut to find the expertise to uh, yeah. land there. But uh, but nevertheless, a great story and uh, great story and, and you know, uh, 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 you know, good job everybody. And I don't uh, um, apparently the pilot did not survive. Yeah, apparently he was already yeah. already passed away in the in the aircraft in in the air. Uh, uh, obviously, a very sad situation. But, uh, but nothing's yeah. nothing's more apt to kill your buzz for flying than dying in the cockpit. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm going uh, to send you all get this out. I'm going to send you all another uh, a link to another piece here. All right, um, we're going to do some fancy editing here. All right, ready to re- return? Ready to resume? Yeah. Okay. Fine. So there's a so there's a a thread in the forums, <laughs> a thread in the forums um, that uh, played off on the, uh, uh, the, well, there was an article in I think it's AOPA Pilot recently about um, about ten different challenging mountain airports right, in uh, right. uh, Idaho and other areas up around there. An interesting article and. Uh, um, actually, that's right. The challenging airports weren't just in Idaho because one of them was in Vermont. I need to check it out. But anyways, it was about mountain flying is the point. Um, it was challenging mountain airports. And uh, some of our listeners in the forums uh, uh, were, were talking about the fact that there are other kinds of challenging airports as well. And so they started a thread called Challenging Airports where they've been comparing mm-hmm. notes on, uh, on airports that are particularly challenging to, uh, to operate in and out of. And, uh, uh, you know, I, and, and then they, they suggested that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, this might be a good topic for Jeb, Dave, and Jack to discuss what makes a difficult airport. What are your personal minimums when it comes to such airports, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's my question. Um, what are some of the challenge, most challenging airports you've ever la- – I mean, what I don't know how to approach well, this exactly. Fir- first of all, this is a pretty good list. Um, and and I, I participated in the DC Pilots email list, and I remember the, the, um, the thread. Uh, I did not participate in it, but uh, – um, uh, these these are all pretty good uh, 
uh, lists for um, um, challenging airports in the D.C. area. One WAG, uh, and it's not on the list here, but one WAG uh, suggested that Washington National should be listed in that there have been, been very few GA aircraft land there recently, and um, getting uh, getting through the airspace to get there might be the big greatest challenge. Um, but um, yeah, making it uh, any, through the any aircraft. Any, any, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The the the, um, the black. Well, there's, Hawks a legal, there's a legal the way F-16 to do it. But, you know, there's a legal way to do it, and, and not get not get uh, you know not incur worries about getting escorted or shot down. Uh, uh, but even having done those things, uh, national can be kind of a challenging arrival. Simply because it's it's got so many constraints on the paths in and out of the bloody place. Yeah, the only thing I know about that one is the uh, somewhat legendary uh, arrival down the Potomac River, uh, where uh, I've told this story before, where you you used to at least used to be able to maybe you still can stand in that park that's just off the arrival end. Still of, uh, can, and uh, and the uh, airliners will come down the river. But they can't come straight into this runway because that would put them right over the his, most, his, you know, the uh, the you know Lincoln Memorial area of uh, D.C. And so that's actually, okay. What what they do? They, they fly the river approach for noise abatement. Oh, is it noise abatement? I thought it was a security thing. In any event, they fly down the river and they're relatively low to the ground and have to make this, uh, you know, probably greater than forty-five degree turn um, before they actually are lined up on the runway. It's sort of uh, sort of shades of. Uh, what was that famous approach into uh, Hong Kong? Um, and uh, Kai Shek or something. Like yeah, that. and uh, well, man, I've been, I've been in, I've been in uh, the right seat of airliners going into National uh, after coming, you know, coming uh, uh, down the Potomac River, where it was IMC until about three hundred feet off the ground, and when you break out, you're in a hard right bank to bring the localizer needle centered up and you're rolling right out over that park and then slam dunk thrust reverses brake stop and for well, a few brief well, seconds there you could look out the window and see the people at the USA Today building looking at you going wow we're just too close together yeah the uh, the river approach uh, is a visual approach it's a charted visual procedure for instrument uh, uh, operations and there are weather minima associated with it that, like, you know, I don't know, uh, um, that are higher than the VFR minima. Mm-hmm. The uh, <clears throat> the approach I think Dave's talking about is the LDA approach to uh, what would I guess is now runway one nine. Um, what one nine or used to be one eight. Um, yeah. they, somehow the the, um, uh, the Earth moved, and they changed. The, yeah. yeah, I know they changed the runway numbers there at DCA. But, uh, um, the um, uh, of the airports listed here, I've I've flown into several of them over the years. Now, uh, what is there a theme never, here? What 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 are the types of things that generally make an airport challenging? Well, there's there's topography one, um, and and that gets into you know what kind of suburban encroachment is there that kind of simply hides the airport um, until you're until you have to be almost right over it to see it. Uh, another another thing is, of course, um, as that encroachment uh, uh, comes into play, the airport's ability to expand is restricted. So, despite the increase in performance of the aircraft that might want to use it over the years, the airport physically has no space to expand. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've got, you know, people... Um, Say hundred-hour private pilots in a brand new Cirrus SR22, trying to stick it into a two thousand foot by twenty-five foot runway, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes that just you know just doesn't work out too well. Um, Suburban, which is listed here, Whiskey Eighteen is in Laurel, Maryland, and I've I've flown in and out of it, um, daytime, nighttime, in uh, Warriors, Archers, Skyhawks, and Tomahawks of all things. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that that strikes me as challenging about that particular facility is uh, there's a hump in the middle of the runway, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, there's no at the time I was operating from there. I, I I don't know if this has been improved since then or not. Um, there was not a full parallel taxiway, 
So aircraft were uh, on a busy Saturday afternoon in the spring, for example. Um, there were a lot of people operating, taxiing uh, on the runway because that was the only uh, way to taxi from one end of the airport to the other. Right. And you kind of had to watch what you were doing. And the people who were wanted to back taxi on the runway obviously would have to wait for de- landing or departing traffic. Um, there were trees. Um, I remember going out of there, you know, one night in a fully loaded tomahawk um, that, um, you know, took its own sweet time clearing the trees at the end of the runway, Mm -hmm. um, which was uh, always fun. Um, So, you know, Suburban certainly makes my list. Um, Another one um, listed here is is Sky Bryce, um, which is is challenging in in one sense in that it's kind of a one-way airport. It's in a valley uh, between two mountain ridges uh, out at the uh, Virginia, West Virginia border. It serves a uh, uh, commercial ski resort. Uh, been there on, on several occasions. Uh, the times I've stayed there, I, I drove out there, but I've flown out there for lunch on, on more than one occasion. And um, it's, you know, VFR only. There's the, the preferred way to get into it is from the north. And uh, it's this this listing, uh, which I have no reason to quibble with, says it's twenty two forty uh, twenty two hundred forty feet long by fifty feet wide. I, I had thought it was a little bit longer than that, but um, you know what do I know? Um, the, you you basically have a straight shot in uh, to get on the ground and, and turn stopped and, and taxi back, but going out. Um, you need to kind of follow the ridge line, follow the valley for a little ways before uh, you can really kind of turn and uh, um, kind of a one-way in, one-way out kind of airport. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, the runway's in great shape, um, much better shape, for example, than Suburban. Um, but, um, um, you know, those are certainly challenging. Another one here listed is Freeway, Whiskey Zero Zero, uh, which is... Uh, um, in Maryland, also, it's um, just south of uh, Route 50. For anyone familiar with the DC area but not familiar with Freeway Airport, it's uh, Route 50 on your way to Annapolis. And um, I remember trying to get in there. It was this has been five, six years ago now. Um, this cold front was coming through, and everything was just honking. I, I swear there were 50 knot winds at 3,000 feet. And at Freeway, they had a direct cross of like 25 gusts of 40. I, I swear to God it was that bad. <laughs> and I was trying to help a guy out. Um, he had um, uh, flown his airplane up to uh, Frederick for maintenance. And, um, you know, you put a note on the same email list, you know, can anybody help me out? And I had some spare time. I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And flew up to Frederick, picked the guy up. Um Weather was caving bad. Uh, I ended up filing an IFR to go from Frederick, Maryland to Suburban. Uh, I'm sorry, to Freeway. And um, how far apart were they? Are they? It's 50 miles okay. max. All right. It's, it's um, so got vectored into the. This was, uh, I guess, enhanced Class B back then, well before the 80s. Uh, yeah. And uh, flying in there and. Uh, uh, saw the airport and turned final, and I've got like a 30-degree crab, uh, and there's no way to kick it out. Uh, I can't kick it out and, and and stay straight. So we just went around, sucked everything up. And, you know, Potomac Approach was not happy to hear back from me uh, <laughs> after after declaring a missed approach. And it was like, well, dude, where do you want to go and, and uh, how much gas you got? Because, uh, as I say, every airport in the area was caving, and people were were uh, carving circles, and and you know this is Dulles uh, National, uh, Baltimore, everything was caved, and um, finally kept you know kept the shiny side up and, and bounced our way uh, uh, back to to Frederick to to turn this guy loose. Uh, I don't know how he got he he had a car. I don't know what he, he managed to get um, get back, but uh, I couldn't get him in the freeway. Mm-hmm. Not that day. Uh, and it was funny. By the time we got to back to Frederick, it was dead calm. Mm-hmm. The, this front had, had blown through, and it was it was so moving so fast that uh, it was smooth as glass. By the time we got back to Frederick, and I, I flew back to Manassas, and again it was still smooth. So yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's uh, uh, there. 
College Park is supposed to be uh, uh, fairly challenging, and I think because of trees and other obstructions. But uh, uh, it's a pretty good list. Yeah, David, you've always talked about how uh, dead cow being uh, short, I guess, is basically the theme. Well, Jim hit hit on a couple of the points about it. Dead cow, if you got out a measuring tape, it's got about 2,500 foot of hard surface from end to end. Uh, but on the northbound departure or the southbound arrival, you got a 300-foot displaced threshold there, which brings your actual usable runway down to just a skosh under 2,200 feet. Mm. Uh, it's narrow. There's uh, 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 utility poles with lowered lines about 80 feet north of the uh, uh, runway across Pawnee Avenue in Wichita that can get pretty close inspection if you uh, don't come out of there real early. <laughs> you told uh, us, and, yeah. Uh, and well, he's talking about the ever, ones on the north end. The ones on, on the, the south end. end have gotten much closer inspection. Well, the ones on the south end are much farther south of the departure end. There's a, a building down there called Aero Electric that you can just about see the sheet metal screws in if you go out there too shallow. Uh, how, how does this airport, you know, I mean, all kidding aside, how the, uh, uh, Dead Cow has become, if, at least in this podcast, you know, a, a legendary place. But, but the fact of the matter is, Wichita's got so many airports. How does Dead Cow survive if it's this challenging to operate in and out of? Well, it's, you know, it's, you don't feel like it's challenging when you when you grow up and learn to fly on on short fields to begin with mm-hmm. okay you know uh, if you if all you ever did was flew off the runways at mid-continent while you were a primary student and then one day circumstances forced you to squeeze it into dead cow mm-hmm. i guarantee you dead cow is going to be the shortest tightest scariest thing you've ever experienced Conversely, if that's the kind of runway that you learn at, fly from, and get comfortable with, it it doesn't seem bad to begin with. So it's a relativity thing. But there is real challenge in this place, particularly, you know, because it's surrounded by an industrial park, uh, particularly because of those uh, uh, utility wires 80 feet across the street to the north, uh, the sheet metal buildings to the south, a dry pond that constitutes an overrun at the south end, uh, off one one seven, uh, And then you've got a little bit of traffic overlap or near overlap with the uh, with Mid-Continent Airport, uh, the center of which is only about two and a half miles from the center of uh, Dead Cow. So that's one I would consider a challenging, uh, challenging airport. Uh, go 50 miles east to Beaumont, Kansas, and you got 2,500 feet of prairie out there mm-hmm. with no real obstructions. And it's equally challenging because it slopes downhill north to south, and it's a north-south strip. There's uh, a major highway about 35 or 40 feet beyond the north end. Uh, the runway slopes downhill going southbound. And there's a little hump in the middle, so you can't see one end from the other. Right. Uh, if you got to take off to the north, you start your takeoff run on a on a fairly good little incline, then pop over the hump where the field starts to level off, but it's still nonetheless uphill. And you kind of hope to time your takeoff to the north on anything that's going to take the full 2,500 feet. You kind of try to time it in hopes that you won't be seeing a semi-truck right <laughs> after you clear the end of the runway. Okay, yeah. Uh, that could, you know, have a uh, have a detrimental effect on your landing gear or worse. Uh, but another airport that I've flown from, uh, I would count as a major challenging airport, one that you really want to, you know, uh, prepare for going in. And it's 6,700 feet. I mean, sorry, it's 7,952 feet long. And what makes it challenging then? Well, part of it is it's up against a mountain. Part of it is it's at 6,752 feet MSL. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what, what airport and, is it? Uh, Big Bear Sea in California. Say it again. You uh, broke up there. Big Bear City uh-huh. at Lima 35 in uh, California. Uh-huh. 
yeah. uh, way up in the on a mountainside, uh, and one of the approaches, uh, the uh, approach to I guess it would be two six, mm-hmm. is uh, put you right up against a mountain. Yeah, that'll do it. To you. That's, that's good. Challenge. It can be kind of an interesting view out the right out the right side when you're making that approach. Plus, there's some restricted airspace uh, nearby. Uh, getting in and out, you you, you take off. Uh, you get to uh, 7,500 feet going one direction or 8,500 feet going the other. Dust to dawn airport. You know, you definitely want to uh, be on your game before you uh, tackle your first uh, attempt at, at Big Bear City. So, you know, challenging challenging uh, runways come in all lengths and locations, and they don't necessarily have to be little bitty short things like uh, some on our lip or like dead cow to be, you know, uh, have your eyes open and know what you're doing uh, challenges. Yeah. I mean, some of it has absolutely nothing to do with the airport and a great deal to do with the conditions under which you're trying to land or take off. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jeb, what is that? Is that a, uh, I want to say it's a T6, but I don't know. That's the uh, BT13. Yeah, BT13. Okay. Jeb just sent us this uh, picture. I don't know, Dave, if you got it, but uh, he sent me a picture. That's the one I'm trying to put on the uh, blog. Okay. Well, we'll get get it on the blog. But this is like, yeah, see, this is even more idyllic than I had pictured it. All right. So, uh, (laughs) this is a picture that Jeb just sent me of a, uh, he said, said, the picture's labeled front door. And he says, this is a picture out my front door. And it shows this kind of, you know, Spanish moth, moth, Spanish moss hanging from the trees and it's green and it's beautiful and and then there's an airplane taxiing along the pavement right out there and uh, uh, and these two guys are looking at you going he's taking our picture what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) but uh, so uh, yeah well hey there's a stranger over there and he's looking strangely at us Well, let me let me use that as a as a as a, uh, a segue to uh, we're coming down there. We're going to check this out. We're going to see this with our sure. own eyes. Uh, uh, this time next week, we will uh, be arriving, or I will be arriving. I'm not sure when Je- when Dave's arriving in town. We're all going down to uh, Sun and Fun, uh, as, yeah. as regular listeners know. Um, we're going to uh, be enjoying the fly-in and checking out what's going on down there. Uh, I'll do our little blurb here, which is to say that uh, if you're in the area down there, we're going to be recording two episodes of the uh, podcast while we're uh, on the grounds. Uh, one on Tuesday evening, right after the Daily Air Show, and another on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Uh, both times from the uh, front deck of the Sun and Fun radio station there uh, on the uh, showgrounds. And we uh, uh, welcome anyone who's in the area to come on by and say hi and and chat with us while we're while we're doing the podcast. Oh uh, uh, man, we'll, we'll we'll be heard if we found out that you were there and you didn't come by to say hello. That was one of the great highlights for me of last year. Well, the fir- this is the third year we've done this. The first way we did year we did it, we really didn't get anybody any listeners came by. We bumped into a few listeners as we were wandering the grounds, but for the most part, we we just did our thing from the deck. But the second year, last year, uh, we had a whole crowd of people appeared at the deck, and it was it was terrific, and uh, it was really one of the highlights for me. And we got a ch- I got a chance to do my Phil Donahue thing, and uh, actually wandered down into the crowd and, and was talking with some of these folks uh, who had come by, and, and we met people from all over the country and all over the world who had come to Sun and Fun to, to check out the airplanes, and oh, by the way, say hi to us, too. So it was really cool, and we, we urge people to do that again. Uh, uh, come on by uh, and say hi, uh, either t- Tuesday afternoon or Sunday morning, or track us down on the grounds. We'll be hanging out uh, in and around the radio station all throughout the week. So uh, and also uh, we're going to be participating in the uh, gathering of the aviation podcasters on Friday evening uh, after the daily air show. So uh, you can uh, come by and visit us then as well, along with some of our other aviation podcasting friends uh, who are going to be there and, as well. Friday is one of the all-time great days to be at Sun and Fun because all day long you got the usual good stuff that's happening at that fly-in, the afternoon air show, and forums and workshops and stuff to look at at the commercial buildings. And then we have kind of a recess, and they drag out some hot air balloons and start blowing them up as the light fades, and uh, people stay on the field, and boom, the sun goes down, and you got a night fireworks aerobatic show. Yeah, it's very, very that cool. If you've never seen something like this, it's it's definitely worth hanging out for. Yeah, it's definitely the perfect night to stay late at uh, at uh, 
at Lakeland Airport um, for Sun and Fun. That's Friday night. But uh, uh, come and track us down whenever you're there in town, and uh, and and then listen to the podcast after the fact, and uh, we'll tell you what we saw. So that's Absolutely. at Sun and Fun. Hey, you know, last week on the podcast we had uh, Dave Schalbetter on, and he gave us a great preview of things to expect, uh, highlights of the show. Uh, but I'm wondering what you guys are looking forward to this year. I have a couple things that I know I'm looking forward to and sort of are on my list to go and check out. Are, are there any particular, you know, whether there are news stories that you're anticipating or just things that you want to check out, or what are you looking forward to? Oh, where, where to begin? Uh, I, 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 I dropped that on you. So drop that on you. So let me go, go first while you think about it. Um, the, a couple of things that I'm looking for. I, having spent the winter flying an LSA aircraft, I have a kind of different perspective now uh, on on LSAs, and uh, I'm looking forward to kind of checking out the LSA Mall, which I assume they're going to be doing mm-hmm. again this year, um, and uh, with a different kind of an eye now, and uh, and really kind of uh, you know I, seeing these airplanes with a much more practical uh, view. And uh, so I, I really want to go and look at all these different LSAs. Also, the fact that we've spent the winter talking about LSAs and about the, you know, the the the, the various levels, if you will, of of sophistication on these, the ones that are very glass cockpit and and quote unquote high end, if you will, if you can call a, an LSA high end, um, as opposed to the uh, the the simpler, more uh, uh, what I would call entry level LSAs, like the. Dave's Dave's got me. I need to track down a hawk and, and look at a hawk, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and yeah, you so, really should. So, so I want to look at the LSAs, and I, I'm really looking forward to checking out that whole uh, uh, industry uh, this time with a, with a different kind of eye than I ever had before. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Um, another thing I'm looking forward to is having taken the uh, the IFR ground school. Um, I have uh, a different perspective on on IFR flight and instrumentation and. And uh, and charts and all that kind of documentation stuff. So that's another area that I, I can look at a little bit differently. I'm going to be checking out, you know, some of this uh, a, a lot more. I mean, I love the gadgets, anyways, but uh, I, I have a different perspective on it now. No, so, yeah, you like the gadgets, um, Jeb? Did you notice? I never noticed I'm, that. Jeb. I'm shocked. I, this is something that Jack's been keeping from us as long as we've known him. What a bunch of smart <laughs> Alex. Uh, I so, tell you. So I'm looking forward to that and. Uh, that's enough for now. I gave you time. Now, what, what are you guys looking forward to? Well, uh, I, I'm I think, split down. Oh, go, go ahead. Jeb, go first. Uh, I think the, the color. Uh, and there, you know, there's always, you know, air shows to me are um, uh, kind of organic in that, um, and, I've, and I was just recently at Lakeland, um, and, and in fact, uh, over in the, the show uh, area, of the field, um, and um, near near the hangars and, and and whatnot, near the FAA building, and of course there's nothing there. Yeah, um, it's very so odd it's, to be to, the, to visit it, these places. It really where the show's is. not yeah, going sh- on. Yeah, I'm sure it's like I'm sure people who uh, who uh, work at, at the uh, or visit Oshkosh, for example, work on the field there. And I'm sure EAA staffers see this a lot, but. Uh, um, it's it's phenomenal how the whole area changes, you know, for a couple of weeks each year. And the same is true uh, with Lakeland. Um, so, I, what I I want to see the I want to hear the vibe. I want to feel the vibe yeah. of the show. I want to see, uh, you know, what's what's the mood. What what are people talking about? I don't go there with, um, you know, I got to see this. I got to see that kind of thing. I, I want to let the show kind of point me and direct me and let me flow through the show. Um, now that having been said, I always get a kick out of going through the vendor hangers. Uh, the tool vendors, especially the the um, the raw materials vendors, the the the, the part, hardware vendors, and, and all that kind of thing, I always see something that uh, hey, I know I don't have that. I I, I might I have a use for that, whether it's uh, around the house or on the airplane or on motorcycles or something, you know, some tool or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always get a kick out of that. I always lo- like to see you know what are the other attendees interested in. Of course, the, the, the Garmin booth is always mobbed. Uh, some other avionics manufacturers' booths, perhaps less so. And, you know, if that vibe changes, I want to see it. I want to hear about it. I want to know why it's changed. Um, 
you know what's what's new in some of the various product categories like uh, like charting, like electronic charting, uh, uh, EFBs. Uh, what's new uh, in uh, oxygen equipment, oxygen gear? What's new in um, um, you know pilot supplies? Like uh, uh, for example, uh, what what is Brent Blue and Aeromedics.com have new this year? That's uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, there's always going to be. I saw today where uh, Aspen Avionics um, has um, uh, you know a big press conference set for uh, the first day of the show. Really? What are they going to be talking about? Um, and you know they have a new. Do they have a new product? Is it you know uh, just kind of a, an update on on their existing program? You know what's what's the deal? Um, so, so that's kind of where I come at this from. I, I uh, yeah, I want to see you know some of the new aircraft. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I won't say the new aircraft. What I'm what I mean to say is yeah, I want to uh, like Jack. Um, you know, stroll through the LSA Mall area and 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 kind of refresh my memory on on what's on that market, what's in that market, and and how the various players are doing. Um, you know, uh, Paradise City is always uh, of great interest, uh, just because of uh, the different vibe that you get there yeah. uh, compared to the rest of the show. Um, but is there any specific one thing that I want to see? No. It's. I just want to in, in, enjoy and, and uh, kind of insinuate myself, if you will, in, into the whole thing. Yeah. David, what are you looking forward to? Well, it's always kind of a, a you know, a, a, a double. It's a double-sided coin for me because uh, Sun and Fun was the first big event I ever got to work as an aviation journalist quite a few years ago. Uh, and over the years, the, the staying on this circuit helped me build a, a network of great friends that I really only see on the road. I only see at some of these big events. Yeah. Uh, so, a big part of me is is on the on on the personal level. I love going to shows like this, uh, Oshkosh and NBAA, because. I'm going to see a lot of old friends that I haven't seen since sometime last year. Uh, we're going to get a chance to catch up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bend an elbow together, break bread together, uh, compare notes. Uh, and then there's this, you know, professional side that uh, helps pay the bills that has, you know, allowed me to attend these things as, a, as something other than a tourist all these years. And there I come down a lot like, Jeb, uh, I haven't in a long time gone to any of these big shows with one specific thing or one area in mind, but more in a general sense to f- get the vibration, feel how alive or muted the community feels, see what the buzz is. Uh, the new product stuff's always a blast. Uh, Seeing what airplane designers are doing to tweak their products, seeing what the uh, what the uh, uh, gadget companies are, are are feeding to the market, they're always inventive. Uh, and I've got no doubt that this show will not be a, a disappointment in that regard, as even though things are slow, slow is a good time to be developing new products when there's less mm-hmm. pressure to produce what your other products are. And then when the market comes back, you've got this stuff ready to roll. Uh, So going to see a lot of old friends, going to catch up a lot on business, going to catch up a lot on what's new in the market, what's changed in the market. Uh, Hope to get a little stick time and a couple of three different airplanes. uh, uh, Add to the photo library and kind of build materials for projects that are already on my my, uh, assignment list for later in the year. So, uh, uh, you know, I kind of live for this stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have a downside to it. Uh, you know, the, the thing that I most hate about the, these shows is the way that it pressurizes the couple of weeks before I have to leave. Yeah. All the stuff that needs to be done and put into good shape so that you know, for the week and a half that I don't pay attention to anything else, I don't fall desperately behind. And right. uh, getting there, feeling like I need a rest, 
uh, is kind of the norm. That's why I tend to go down maybe a little bit too early for a lot of people, but early enough for me to decompress, watch the show grow up, visit with people before they're inundated with real paying customers, and then uh, you know already be hitting stride when the show opens and roll right along with the vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing also, um, and this speaks more to um, our listeners who... Uh, for whatever reason, may not be familiar with Sun and Fun, uh, but perhaps may be familiar with Oshkosh. Um, Sun and Fun has its own uh, um, um, DNA. It has its own yeah. uh, uh, site. It has its own uh, uh, people behind the show. It is a completely different show. But if you like Oshkosh, and especially this time of year, you're going to love Sun and Fun. Yeah. For for two reasons, first of all, um, it, it is much smaller. Uh, I won't say much smaller. It is smaller than Oshkosh. Smaller, it varies from year to year. But uh, the punchline and all that is, it's much more accessible. There are you know the same vendors are present. Okay, perhaps they 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 bring eight people to Sun and Fun instead of bringing ten people to Oshkosh. Um, but the same vendors are there with the same products and, and to a great extent, the same deals, the same uh, pricing on products, etc. you're shopping. Uh, but even if you're not shopping, and even if you're just walking along, you want to check out the war or you can aircraft, both of which I have found uh, when I have this, the free time and, the, and you know, the unaccompanied, un-chaperoned un, uh, um, un, uh, free time to just go out and, and kind of roam. Yeah. And get up close and, and kind of look at how some of these vintage aircraft are put together. Um, it's much less hurried. It's yeah. it's much more accessible it's, uh, because well, it's of more, its different it's, size. Right. It's always been more relaxed because the yeah. genesis of Sun and Fun was a, a, a winter getaway event that initially was in January and only you know three or four days. And picked up steam and picked up support and picked up momentum and grew into what it's become. Uh, the layout of the showgrounds is dramatically different than uh, Air Venture. Uh, it's more like uh, a wheel built around a central hub uh, where Oshkosh has a very linear top to bottom, left to right field because of the layout of Whitman Regional Airport. Yeah, I would have uh, thought the exact opposite than that. It, it, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe your brain is wired different from mine or mine's wired different from yours or, or whatever. Nothing nothing wrong with that and leave a lot difference. I have to say but, that yeah, Dave's description rings true to me, too. It seems much more uh, like hub and spoke kind of thing. And uh, Yeah, that's, that's kind of way yeah. it's always felt with the... the yeah. The commercial area and the media center and the, the FAA building kind of at the hub. And uh, the commercial exhibit buildings are one way, and the home-built f- flight line is another, and the warbirds are off uh, a little bit more around the curve, and then there's the antique area, and then there's Paradise City, and back mm. to the entryway, and then you're back to the commercial I, I don't yeah. – I- I don't. I don't get that at all. I just. I, I see. You know, my experience at Oshkosh is more. You know, kind of in the middle of a large wheel, and and you know, here's this, and here's that, and here's the other thing, um, versus Sun and Fun, where you know, it's it's almost uh, uh, semicircular, if you will. And yeah. and that 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 main road, you know, every, everything on one side of the road is is with the exception of Paradise City, everything on one side of that road is um, is parking. Everything yeah. on the other side of the road is the show, and and it's it's laid out kind of in a in a semicircular fashion, except for uh, Rotor Town or or whatever it's called Chopper Town and uh, Chopper Town. Thank you. Chopper and, Town, way um, off in its own little world. Yeah. yeah. 
um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's an interesting observation. Um, um, I guess uh, everybody's brain is just wired differently. Well, we'll have to report more after we're actually on the grounds. That'll be next week. I just looked at the uh, at the uh, the ATIS or the uh, whatever the uh, system is that at at Lakeland at this minute. It's it's currently eight thirty in the evening, and uh, Lakeland Regional is currently reporting uh, eighty degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, the winds are eight knots. Out of the northeast, mm-hmm. so uh, it means that you want to bring. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're an older guy who doesn't wear a hat, you want to bring the the moose that your wife has with the built-in sunscreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's next week. We're going to be at Sun and Fun. Hey, uh, you know what? We're and and the you end. can give us your feedback on what you think the layout of the place is after you've gone there. That's right. That's hey, right. We're, we're reaching the end of our allotted time here. Uh, what else? Anything else we really need to talk about here? I've got a couple shout-outs I'd like to do, but... Uh, I have I have, have a shout-out. Yeah? Have right. Adam, guys. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll do one of my shout-outs, and I'll let somebody else go. Uh, the uh, got a reminder. Uh, it's been on my radar anyways, but I got a reminder the other day that the... Uh, uh, the ultralight fly-in, the Yankee ultralight fly-in up here in uh, Greenland, New Hampshire, is uh, starting to gear up. Uh, the a little uh, announcement went out to uh, members of uh, EAA 225 and a number of other organizations. Uh, it says, uh, EAA Chapter 67 Yankee Ultralight Flyers will be holding its 18th annual Yankee ultralight fly-in and camp-in this summer, July 10th through the 18th and they go out of their way to say this is not actually an ultralight club but a general aviation club that had evolved from an ultralight club (laughs) Uh, the uh, 10th 10th, 11th and 12th will be open to the general public while the rest of the week will be more geared towards pilots and aviation enthusiasts that will be camping with on-site facilities Uh, there's food on site Uh, they're going to have a a band one night uh, uh, a pilot's band which means it could either be really great or not so much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, community campfires yeah, every night. Uh, it's all held at Sanderson's Field, which is a private uh, grass strip uh, in uh, just inland from the uh, from Hampton Beach uh, in uh, New Hampshire. Uh, it's a uh, two thousand foot plus uh, grass runway with a great big hill at one end. That's my my favorite part of this whole thing. Um, and uh, if you want to fly in, you can check out their website, YankeeUltralights.com. Uh, they've got some pilot information uh, there and general information if you want to drive in. It's a great fly in. And I go almost every year that I'm, I go every year I'm able, which is almost every year. Um, it's just a real, you know, it's kind of a, a, a cliche, a pun almost. It's a grassroots event, but uh, um, it's really terrific. And uh, it is more than just ultralights. There's obviously a very strong ultralight flavor to it, but uh, you get a lot of light airplanes. And typically there's a, there's almost always a DC-3 on the ground there as well. So you get, you get a pretty big range. Um, Boo, wow, DC-3 on 2,000 feet of grass. Yeah, well, it's now, a big hill. that's a challenging runway. It's a big hill, so they got a little help. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping to fly one of uh, one of uh, Southern Maine's uh, uh, LSAs into it this year, so uh, that'll be my contribution. And uh, um, it's, just, it's just a great event, and uh, I, I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, we'll put a link uh, in the show notes not only to the Maine uh, fly-in website, but to a YouTube video that, that was put out from last year's event, which kind of gives you a little bit of the flavor uh, of all the different kinds of aircrafts, the aircraft that are there, and um, aerial shots of the of the field from from uh, from overhead, and it's just uh, I'm babbling. I like this flying a lot, so uh, <laughs> you should check it out. I didn't pick up on that, Jeb. Did you? Yeah. That's my shout out. What else? I, I just have, and, and for those who are allergic to snark, um, uh, tune out for the next <laughs> twenty seconds. Um, I just wanted to. To send a hearty shout out and thank you, yeah, to Delta Airlines that succeeded in stranding my 23-year-old son in Columbia, South Carolina, last Friday evening. <laughs> um, you schmucks! <laughs> um, you you ticket you accept a ticket from somebody to travel from Washington to Sarasota and you divert to Columbia for weather. Now, there was some admittedly hairy uh, weather uh, going through Atlanta on Friday evening. But you you disembark the entire, uh, uh, all the passengers off of this airplane. You give them information on local hotels and no vouchers or anything else like that. And then, while 
you know, he's kind of um, scurrying around, and this is not a seasoned traveler, but uh, uh, while he's kind of scurrying around and, and trying to, uh, he's talking to his mother on one line and me on the other and, and all this kind of thing, and um, you load up the airplane and his bag, and you haul ass off to Atlanta and leave him in Columbia. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I've been Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, folks. Well, it's really gives me a nice warm feeling. Really, it gives me a nice warm, really warm feeling because, as, as you 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 may or may not know, uh, the way I'm getting to Sarasota a week from today, I wasn't going to say anything. Is by way of Delta Airlines. So I wasn't going to say. Thanks a lot. Um, Appreciate it. So you know, thanks Delta, um, and um, uh, I'll be following up. David, you got anything? Yeah, one real quickie here, and then a little less quickie. One real quickie is uh, anybody that happens to be in the Wichita vicinity over the next few months, you might want to check on the Jayhawk wing of the Commemorative Air Force. Uh, They're resuming their Friday night movie series this week, and we'll be doing that monthly through uh, the fall. Uh, Usually uh, a Warbirds-oriented or aviation-oriented movie that they do at the CAF hangar at Westport, a.k.a. Dead Cow International. Uh, so that's pretty much all the rest of the spring, into the summer, and through the summer and into the fall. That's right. Hey, time to stick a fork in this one. That's Dave Higgin out there. Dave is an aviation photographer. He's also an aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? DaveHigdon.biz, AEA.net, uh, com, or, you know, just... You know, roll the dice and Google me. There you go. Jeff Burnside is an aviation journalist, also currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Where can people find you on the net, Jeff? AviationSafetyMagazine.com. And um, I might might have to turn you loose while you're down here on my personal website. I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just a complicated situation, but we'll go into that in more detail. We'll and of course, out. I pop up every now and then uh, on uh, avweb.com. That's right. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me and my work at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. As always, a big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for creating our show notes, and also to our many listeners, and particularly to Royce Earl and Mike Morgan for the show opening disclaimer clips. Also, don't forget that you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, you can view the forums, you can check out the wiki, the airport restaurants list, the aviation movies list, and more. That's all at uncontrolledairspace.com. So anyways, David, what were you going to say? If you want to live longer, go fly lots, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's right. That's right. That's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFN. TTFN.